2005 UTC right after the international Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty New Year greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 3rd edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. Football legend Pele will be buried Tuesday after a procession of his coffin in Santos, Brazil. Pele's body was lying in state Monday at the Vila Belmiro Stadium in Santos, where he played some of the best matches of his career. Football fans and dignitaries from all over the world have been paying their respects at the stadium outside Sao Paulo. The AP's Karen Chamas reports. Fireworks popped as a hearse carrying soccer great Pele drove towards the Villa Benmiro Stadium where mourners could come to say their final goodbyes. Pele died a few days earlier after a battle with cancer. He was 82 years old. Carried into the stadium by his son, among others, Pele's coffin was placed on the field where he scored some of the best goals of his career. Fan Renato dos Santos was outside the stadium when the coffin first arrived. He told the AP, It's sad, very sad. It's a very difficult time. I'm Karen Chamas. Pele will have a private burial at a vertical cemetery in Santos only in the presence of family. Nigerian football analyst Kunle Salaja met Pele twice and has covered nine World Cups. In an interview with Iron Mike Mbonye, Salaja described Pele as a genius and reflected on an interview he did with Pele in 1991. The entire human race will have missed a superstar, a super athlete, so Someone uh, who really made his mark in the uh, in in football that he even called the beautiful game, and uh, we also miss a gentleman and a global ambassador, someone who is always ready to uh, to give his helping hand in anything, and no wonder he was an ambassador to many products and to many agencies, including UNESCO and UNICEF. The world will miss it. You covered the World Cup in Qatar, and Pele was is quoted as saying that one day an African team will win the World Cup. Given the exploits of the Atlas Lions of Morocco, do you think that Pele's prediction will be become a reality one day? Well, there is always a one day. So one day we hope an African team will win the World Cup. If you consider the fact that. Until 1970, no African team ever got a point in the World Cup until Morocco drew 1-1 with Bulgaria. No African, uh, all, all, all previous matches uh, of African teams that is uh, Egypt were not, uh, there was no win in any. And Tunisia raised the flag with the, the bar becoming the first African team to win a match at the World Cup when they beat Mexico 3-1. And Morocco again became the first African team to cross the group stage when uh, they beat Portugal 
to advance into the next round of the World Cup in 86. And ever since, we've, been, we've seen progression of African teams at the World Cup. And at the last World Cup in Qatar, an African team got as far as semi-final. So one is hoping that in subsequent editions, it may, be, it may not be 2026, but it could be 2030, uh, 34 or an African team will be a contender. Pele actually made that remark because people always think that they made the remark uh, recently. He made that remark in Canada, I was in Canada when he made that remark after seeing the Nigerian under 16 team, as it was called there, play entertaining football in Canada 87. And uh, it was there that he said, if this set of players can, can be groomed and if the momentum was kept that it was possible for an African team to be a contender to win the World Cup itself. An African team that is Nigeria, having two years earlier, won the, under, the inaugural edition of the Under-16 World Cup in China. Do you think Africa, or indeed the rest of the world, can produce another player in the mold of Pelé in future? It is very difficult to even say in anywhere in the world, not just Africa, that another Pele will emerge. I think such people come once in about three centuries. And like uh, an interview I had with him in China in 1991, when I asked him whether there would be another Pele, he just uh, jokingly replied that his mother and father had already closed the factory that manufactured Pele and they have thrown the padlock away. So, there is no way another Pele will emerge. And you will say that because most of the stars today were inspired by the exploits and the skill of Pele and the fame Pele made. So, and uh, there is no style of play that any star of today is uh, exhibiting that Pele never exhibited. And you also consider the fact that he was playing football at the time when the, when the game was still at its rudimentary stage. When tackles were vicious, when referees were not protecting uh, uh, strikers, and uh, the football they were playing then was heavy, heavy ladder. So you you find it difficult. I mean, uh, if you consider the period he played and the strain and the lack of technology then, you know that uh, he was a genius. That's Nigerian football analyst Kunle Salaja, and he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. From Nigeria, let's go to neighboring Cameroon. Cameroon is embroiled in an age-cheating scandal ahead of this week's Under-17 Central African Football Federation's Union Tournament. 21 of Cameroon's 30 players selected were disqualified for forging their ages. Joining us now from Cameroon's capital, Yaoundé, is Moki Edwin Kinsaka. Happy New Year, Moki! Happy New Year, Sonny. And I hope 2023 is off to a good start for all our Voice of America listeners. It is, however... Not a good start of year here in Cameroon for 21 players who reduced their ages to play in the under-17 national team. The disqualification of the players has generated debates out here. 
12 to 14 year old players train at the Rum Point Express Football Stadium in Yaoundé. Among them is 15 year old Neba Godwin, who says he is training hard to replace his elders who faked ages and took places that were supposed to be occupied by youths younger than 17. Neba says he wants to build his career on football and his icon is Brazilian legend Ronaldinho. I have some of his videos in my father's phone and I like watching it because I like the way he scores. He creates his styles. I like the way Ronaldinho plays his ball because he is so fast in anything he does. He trains every day and that's why he is very popular. I would like to be like him, just like him. The disqualified players refused to comment. The decision to check players' ages was taken by Cameroon Football Association, Fekafoot president, former Barcelona striker Samuel Eto'o. Angu Leslie, a football writer specialized in youth football, says Eto'o is simply respecting the rules of the game of football. All teams to participate in the Unifac tournament have done that to be sure that the players will be eligible. The zonal body, Unifac itself, will do a further control for all of the international teams that will participate. So it doesn't happen only in Cameroon, it happens across the board. And it's important to note that MRI as at now is the major recommendable option. MRI is part of rules by the World Football Governing Body FIFA designed to ensure fair play and a level playing field for all. It states that each member association has a responsibility to ensure that players in competitions reserved for the under-17 category are at most 17 years old. Football age fraud is not new in Cameroon. In 2022, Cameroon's Football Federation summoned 44 players from eight clubs for alleged age or identity cheating Football analyst Martin Eko says detecting football talents from very young ages will reduce the urge football players have to reduce their ages to play when they are discovered late. The problem stems from the fact that we don't have a very strong domestic league and a very youth football-oriented approach to the game of football, so to say. Oftentimes, most of those guys who get engaged in football get involved already when they're of a certain age, unlike in Europe, in other parts of the world where at a very tender age they get involved. So because sometimes they are not able to be accepted within that category, they now have the only option to reduce their ages in order to fit in. Echo, however, says making the disqualifications public as the Federation did, gives a bad image of Cameroon football to the world. This plays down on the image of the country because football, you know, goes in a lot of fair play. You will not imagine that you have somebody who is 25 and is playing for under 17 and another country actually comes with young people. It, it will be unfair to have them in the same competition. A statement from Feka Foot says the players were immediately removed from the group and steps are being taken for their replacement. Sports analyst John Jobati says it will not be easy for the coach to build another team before the five-nation competition starts on January 5. As a coach, you come up with a list of players to get into a competition. And of a sudden, you find yourself in a tight situation where they say the players have a problem of age. They are not qualified to play for the competition. I mean, as a coach, you find yourself in a very tight corner. So the coach should already get to his background list and see how he can get some players to fill the gap. Age fraud has always been rocking African football with many of the continent's international successes 
at junior level clouded by allegations of overage players. In 2019, Guinea were disqualified from the Under-17 World Cup after two of their players were found guilty of age cheating. In 1989, FIFA banned Nigeria after finding that the best dates of three of their players in the 1988 Olympics were different from ones used by the same players in previous tournaments. For the sunny side of sports, Amoki Edwin Kinzuka in Yaoundé, Cameroon. Thanks, Moki. This is the voice of America. Washington, DC. This is Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. The 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup football tournament will kick off July 20th in Auckland, New Zealand. New Zealand will play Norway in the opening match, and the final will be held one month later on August 20th in Sydney, Australia. Four African teams have qualified for the Women's World Cup. Morocco and Zambia will both be making their debuts at the Premier Women's Football Competition, and they'll be joined by Nigeria and South Africa the reigning African champion. Now, the South African women have been drawn into a very difficult group. They'll play against Sweden, Italy, and Argentina, all teams much higher than South Africa in the current FIFA rankings. Let's go to Johannesburg, where Darren Taylor has reaction from South Africa's head coach, as well as a top South African football official. If the South Africans are daunted by the challenge that awaits them in July and August, they aren't showing it. After the draw, Banyana Banyana coach Desiree Ellis described it as reasonable, saying it could have been tougher. These sentiments were echoed by Vice President of the South African Football Association, Natasha Chiklas, during an online conference with journalists. All the teams are very strong. Yes, we do have two European sides. I think Sweden, uh, in my opinion, are stronger than Italy. At the moment, Argentina is number 29 in FIFA range, so, you know, not too bad. Don't forget, with champions of Africa, other countries after the draw, they're talking about South Africa as well. And uh, we are very strong uh, opponent to any other country. Banyana have beaten the best in Africa, but they've never been victorious against the world's truly top teams, although they earned a creditable 0-0 draw against Sweden in 2019. Later that year, Banyana failed to make it out of the group stage at their maiden World Cup held in France. Brazil hammered them in two friendly matches, Banyana losing 3-0 and 6-0. Chikla says those results don't worry her. We went to a very deep waters and that was very clever. When I monitor and I look again and again the game, especially the first game, I think the result could have been different. We could have at least scored two goals. Okay. We learned a lot from that. 
The South African women also recently lost 4-1 to Australia, another of the world's leading sides. Chekla says she and her fellow officials are purposefully pairing Banyana with some of the globe's strongest teams in friendlies to prepare them for the 2023 tournament. She believes the squad's currently missing a few key elements, including greater confidence and superior fitness. We have the skills, we have the knowledge as a team. I think we need to rejuvenate quicker, faster, also to score the opportunities. We must take, uh, you know, our chances and score. We have to play with the best. In the end of the day, we need strong opponents in order for us to fix whatever we need to. We are very strong. But we have to believe, I mean, we are, we are the best in Africa. But also we have to start behave like this as well. Chikla says she doesn't want to stick her neck out too far by trying to predict Banyana Banyana's performance at the World Cup. But she emphasizes that does not mean she's not optimistic. We do have a, a great opportunity to go further. It's our time now. To make sure of getting out of their group, Banyana are probably going to have to beat either Sweden or Italy, and the Argentina game is a must-win. It's a long shot. Sweden have pedigree, consistently making quarterfinals and semifinals, and being runners-up in 2003. Italy have reached the quarterfinals twice. Africa's other representatives at the tournament are Morocco, Nigeria and Zambia. In the group stage, Morocco have Germany, Colombia and Korea Republic. Nigeria could also struggle to get past the group stage, having drawn Australia, Ireland and Canada. On paper, Zambia appear to have the best chance of making the knockout phase, having to contend with Costa Rica, Spain and Japan in Group C. At this stage, according to pundits and the FIFA rankings, Favourites to capture the trophy will be multiple world champions, the United States, with England, Sweden, France, Germany and the Netherlands also strong contenders. Bookmakers and experts aren't giving a team from Africa much hope at all. Chigla says she hopes other nations at the World Cup follow their lead, because the more under the radar the African teams stay, the greater the possibility of them pulling off major upsets. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Sporty greetings. This is Namsham Pelo, media officer of Banyanda Banyana of South Africa. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Here in the USA, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin is listed in critical condition at a hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio, after collapsing on the field following a tackle during a National Football League game Monday night. The AP's Jennifer King reports. Thoughts and prayers for DeMar Hamlin are pouring in. The Buffalo Bills say the 24-year-old defensive back suffered a cardiac arrest and had his heartbeat restored on the field after a hit during their game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Hamlin tackled Bengals receiver T. Higgins on a seemingly routine play, stood up, adjusted his face mask, then fell backward about three seconds later. Teammates shielded Hamlin from 
from view as medical personnel administered CPR, he was transferred to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Bills quarterback Josh Allen tweeted, please pray for our brother. The game was indefinitely postponed. So the emergency action plan went, in, uh, went into effect. NFL executive Troy Vincent. It never crossed our mind to, to talk about warming up to resume play. That's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's um, insensitive. Um, and that's not a place that, that we should ever be in. I'm Jennifer King. More sad sports news. Tennis great Martina Navratilova has been diagnosed with cancer. Here's the AP's Shelley Adler. Martina Navratilova says she's been hit with what she calls a double whammy, throat and breast cancer. In a statement released by her representative, the 18-time Grand Slam singles champ says her prognosis is good and she will start treatment this month. The 66-year-old who previously underwent treatment for early-stage breast cancer in 2010 says, quote, It's going to stink for a while, but I will fight with all I have got. I'm Shelley Adler. Thanks, Shelley. And the sunny side of sports sends good healing wishes to both Martina Navratilova and Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. Now let's go down under to Sydney, Australia, where Craig Gabriel has more tennis news for us. The Sydney City final of the United Cup will see USA taking on Great Britain. The Brits were the first nation to reach any of the city finals, while the USA set the groundwork the day before by leading Germany 2-0. They made it a five-loves clean sweep when Jessica Pagula and Francis Tiafo scored wins in the singles and then teamed up to win the mixed doubles. Tiafo said they were looking forward to facing the Brits. Sure, yeah. Great team, obviously. Um, Battle-tested. Tim Henman screaming concentrate all the time, so guys are locked in. Um, And, uh, yeah, so it should be really fun. Um, Good players. Like, you know, I mean, I'm sure uh, you're going to see a lot of, you know, good, gritty battles, and I'm excited to get out there tomorrow. It's been a day that's had the tennis family around the world concerned about one of their own, and that's Martina Navratilova, who's been diagnosed with a second breast cancer as well as stage one throat cancer. The indications are positive as they have been caught early. The word legend is thrown around very easily these days, but it's very apt when talking about Martina. And Jessica Bagula says she often sees her through the year. I mean, it's just really sad to see. I I see her a lot. She lives kind of near me been on several flights with her this year with when she's got her dog with her and she's always so nice and genuine and and someone that is like a legend of the game just to see them go through that especially when I I feel like the last year I've seen her around so much um at tournaments commentating and doing stuff uh yeah it's just terrible but I'm, I'm hoping you know obviously the tennis community will come around her and support her as much as we can Also in Sydney, Australia has scored a win over Spain. The tie was played despite it being a dead tie, and the tennis was terrific. In Perth, Maria Sakkari and Stefano Tsitsipas have led Greece to the city final there, and in Brisbane, Matteo Berrettini and Martina Trevisan have put Italy into the city final there. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Sydney. Thanks, Craig. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. 
My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Also, you can listen online to your favorite VOA programs, including the sunny side of sports, at voaafrica.com. For world news, go to voanews.com. In pro basketball, Donovan Mitchell scored an NBA season high and a club record 71 points. Yes, you heard me right, sunny side of sports listeners. 71 points. And the Cleveland Cavaliers rallied from 21 points down to beat the visiting Chicago Bulls. 145 to 134 on Monday night in the National Basketball Association. The AP's Dave Ferry tells us more about Donovan Mitchell's prolific performance. Donovan Mitchell scored a team record 71 points in leading the Cavaliers to a 145-134 overtime win against the Bulls. Not only did I do that, but I did it in an effort where we came back and won, and it's how we won. That's really what, for me, you know, was like, man, like this is, you know, nuts, (laughs) to be honest. Mitchell scored 13 points in the extra session. He also forced OT by grabbing his own intentionally missed free throw and making a circus shot with three seconds left in regulation. Mitchell was 22 of 34 from the field. He hit 7 for 15 from three-point range in the league's highest scoring performance since Kobe Bryant's 81-point game in January 2006. Kyrie Irving hit his first seven shots, and the Nets picked up their 12th consecutive win by blasting the Spurs 139-103. I don't think we really pay attention too much to the streak. We just really want to play well for one another. Um, and you could tell there's a special energy in the locker room, so we just want to take care of that. Irving shot 11 of 14 while scoring 27 points. Kevin Durant added 25 points and 11 assists for the Nets. Durant was 10 of 14 from the field. Brooklyn shot 62% from the field while pulling within one game of the Celtics for the NBA's top record. The Nets never trailed for the second straight game and are too shy of matching the team record for longest winning streak. I'm Dave Ferry. Thanks, Dave. In other NBA results, Monday night, the New York Knicks beat the visiting Phoenix Suns 102-83. Julius Randle with a game-high 28 points and 16 rebounds for the Knicks. The Los Angeles Lakers scored a 121-115 road victory over the Charlotte Hornets. Lakers superstar LeBron James with 43 points and 11 rebounds. Also on Monday night, the Indiana Pacers beat the visiting Toronto Raptors 122-114. to Cameroonian star Pascal Siakam had 26 points for the Raptors. Also, the Philadelphia 76ers 
beat the New Orleans Pelicans 120 to 111. Another Cameroonian star, Joel Embiid, with a game high 42 points and 11 rebounds. More results. The Dallas Mavericks defeated the Houston Rockets 111 to 106 in a Texas showdown. Slovenian star Luka Doncic with 39 points and 12 rebounds for the Mavericks. The Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Denver Nuggets 124 to 111. The defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors in double overtime clipped the wings of the Atlanta Hawks 143 to 141. Clay Thompson with 54 points for the Warriors while Trey Young no relation to yours truly, had 30 points, 7 rebounds, and 14 assists for the Hawks. Elsewhere, the Portland Trail Blazers beat the Detroit Pistons 135-106, to and the Miami Heat beat the Los Angeles Clippers 110-100. to And that wraps up the January 3rd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.